It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But with all the current uncertainty, how do we know when and where to put our hard-earned money to work for us? It's easy to become distracted by that shiny object or the quote-unquote next best thing. So how do we determine which strategies will best align with our financial goals? Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies to build our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Danny Nichols. And I'm Chris Thompson. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Danny Nichols, here once again with my co-host, Chris Thompson. Hey, what's going on, Danny, man? It's good to see you, dude. Good to see you too, man. Tell the listeners who we spoke to today. Okay, so today we brought in Paul Moore. Okay, Paul began his real estate investing career by flipping over 50 homes and 25 high-end waterfront lots. He's appeared on HGTV's House Hunters. He's rehabbed and managed rental properties. He built a number of new homes, developed a subdivision, and he started two successful online real estate marketing firms. After helping with three successful developments, including assisting with the development of a Hyatt Hotel and a very successful multifamily project, Paul was led into the commercial real estate multifamily arena. Uh, Recently, Paul's been doing live events that cover which asset classes are most most vulnerable and more importantly, strategies for real estate investors to implement right now in order to build massive wealth post-COVID. So today, uh, we talked about really the importance of being able to like visualize the intrinsic value of an asset in order to really maximize profit and better insulate your investment should something like COVID actually happen and be prepared. Yeah, there's uh, definitely some good stuff in this episode. Um, excited to get into that. Before we jump into today's show, we want all listeners to know that we truly appreciate you tuning in. And if you'd like to show some love and haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and written review. It really helps us attract more guests, grow the podcast, and ultimately provide better information for everyone listening. Also, if you're a passive investor or looking to get into passive investing, then check out our website at twosmartassets.com. There you can find our passive investing guide and apartment syndication sample deal that will have you primed or ready for when the real opportunities come your way. Also, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We're posting some great content on there, so make sure to follow us and start connecting. All right, now that's out of the way, let's jump into today's episode with Paul Moore. Paul, it's great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm really honored, guys. Thank you. And we're, we're excited to have you here. Really? Yeah, we're definitely honored to have you on the show. We're very excited to get into today's topic, which is, you know, building massive wealth and, you know, the post-COVID world, kind of what we said in your bio. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty out there and it's safe to say we're living in, in interesting times, really. And I know our listeners will be tuning in uh, for this one for sure. Uh, and as we say in your bio, you've recently been presenting on the vulnerability of asset classes and post-COVID investing. So let's just start with asset classes. Give the listeners some context about why you've been discussing this topic recently and why it's important for our yeah, investors so- to understand. Yeah. So after I chased, I was a, a, a certified shiny object chaser for about 30, uh, 25 years as an entrepreneur, I guess. And I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I invested in oil and gas that went to zero, wireless internet company, some other things that weren't wrong. It just that, you know, basically it was the difference between speculating and investing. And I Think of that this way. Speculating is when your principal is not at all safe and you've got a chance to make a return. And investing is when your principal is generally safe and backed up by hard assets and you are able to make a return. And so I really choose, you know, investing over speculating, but I didn't know the difference for years. 
I had sold my company in 1997 to a publicly traded firm. I had way more money than I had any common sense about investing, even though I had an MBA. And I really made a lot of mistakes. And that's one of the reasons I've got a, you know, had a podcast for years called How to Lose Money. And uh, we talk about a lot of those mistakes and a lot of other people's mistakes along the way, on the way to the top. But anyway, this time when I got involved in multifamily in 2011, I told my wife at some point, I think it was 2014, I said, okay, this is it. I'm staying with this for life. I'm writing a book called The Perfect Investment. I'm never going to leave multifamily. But lo and behold, guys, after banging our heads up against the wall for years trying to find great deals, I realized, number one, we didn't have a good acquisition team and strategy. Number two, I thought the margins in multifamily have been awfully thin. And so it really gave me a lot of pause. I read Howard Mark's book called Mastering the Market Cycle, Getting the Odds on Your Side. And it really reminded me that if you're buying right near the top of the cycle, of course, we don't really know till we see it in a rear view mirror where the top was. But if you're buying at a historically high number, you might end up having the highest risk and the lowest returns. I say might because people have been saying that in multifamily since 2015 and it hasn't happened yet. But I'm really worried the bubble's going to burst. And so we finally decided to look outside multifamily into the other multifamily. They say, you know, pork is the other white meat. <laughs> well, mobile home parks are the other multifamily. And we've also been looking at self-storage. And we have found that there's a lot of opportunities there that we haven't seen in multifamily for years. Yeah, that's amazing. I think we're we're right in line with with that thinking as well. Um, I want to talk about you know what's changed. You know, obviously with this whole COVID thing, you know, uh, in terms of asset types and where people are putting their money. What's changed for you in terms of that shift? Obviously, you had a shift, uh, you know, a couple of years back. But has anything really significantly changed from pre-COVID to post-COVID in terms of where you're investing? You know, whether it's mobile home parks or self-storage. Really, pre-COVID to post-COVID. If you look in the last year, no, there's no difference in that, you know, 14 months or whatever, I will say I've become a lot more aware of the mar the importance of the margin of safety. And that would be reflected most obviously in the debt service coverage ratio, the DSCR, or also known as the DCR debt coverage ratio. And that's the margin of the net operating income divided by the, the ratio, I should say, divided by the um, debt service. And so, in other words, if you take the income you have divided by the, your debt payment every month, that higher that number, the more margin of safety. And for engineers, they know about the margin of safety or the safety factor. We're looking for the biggest safety factor we can get. And I've concluded that the um, assets, you know, the, it, they used to say, actually, people say all the time that the safest assets are the core assets. You know, there's no value add. There's no drama. They're already stabilized. You can expect they're going to continue to smooth sail along. I don't really believe that. I mean, if you're buying those at a 4% cap rate and there's really no significant upside, I think that's pretty thin margin. If you can buy a value-add deal and you've got a track record, a team, and a strategy that consistently can 
implement that value add and raise the income, you can get from a debt service coverage ratio of let's say 1.3, which would be a 30% margin of safety, up to 2.3, and that's a real number we use a lot, in a matter of say a year. Well, I mean, a 2.3 debt service coverage ratio, that's 130% margin of safety. I like that with the potential for crazy economic shocks like COVID. And so there are specific strategies we use to find those type of assets. If you want to chat about them, we can. Absolutely. If, if we, Let's take some time. Let's dive into that. I know our listeners would love to hear more about that. Absolutely. So Michelangelo is a sculptor that we all have heard of, and he made this crazy statement. He would look at a block of granite or marble, and he would say that he could already envision this, you know, the actual final sculpture within the block. And I thought he was being weird. But I, I learned a lot from that because he said all he had to do is chip away the superfluous material to get to the beauty of what was in that particular piece of, piece of marble. And a great operator with a great strategy, great team can do that. They can actually look at an asset and they can envision what it could be. And so I would call that the intrinsic value of the asset. If the intrinsic value is much higher than the extrinsic value, which is the selling price, then the buyer, the operator who can recognize that and implement it can make a ton of profit for their investors and themselves, and they can create a great margin of safety along the way. And that's what we're looking for. The specific strategy to do that, that only one I know at least in this, these type of asset classes, is buying from mom and pop operators. Now, there are 53,000 self-storage 53, self facilities or more in the U.S., and uh, about 50% or so are owned and operated by mom and pop operators. That means they have one or two facilities. They don't have the resources, the knowledge, or the desire to increase the income and maximize value. And so while they may be really happy with their, you know, um, $3 million asset that's suddenly worth $5 million because of compressed cap rates, they may be really, really happy with their $300,000 a year income. I'm just throwing out numbers here. I don't, right. I'm not doing the math in my head here, but right. um, a great operator can sometimes buy that for $5 million, which would be a dream price for the seller and enough to fund mm -hmm. their retirement, but actually take that asset with the intrinsic value in mind and increase the income from, say, for example, three hundred to four hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand in a couple of years. And when you factor debt into that, if you can double the income, you quadruple the equity if you have 50% loan to value ratio on the debt. And some people even have higher than that safely. And so we've been seeing deals, we've been investing in deals like that. Last year, we invested in a mobile home park, and I could break it down for you if you want, that was acquired at $7.1 million on February 20th and sold December 15th, about 10 months later. Remember, it was acquired for $7.1 million. It was sold for $15 million the same year. Wow. And the equity of $3.5 million was basically, you know, it was way more than tripled. Uh, in the process in one year. And that was the intrinsic versus extrinsic value issue. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty incredible. And, you know, that it's just a great opportunity right there, right? And I think that whole intrinsic thing about, you know, finding a great operator who can take advantage of, you know, that opportunity once presented, it's massive. What, in terms of, you know, we kind of talked about the other multifamily in terms of, uh, you know, mobile home parks and also, you know, talking more about self-storage. Do you think in terms for, because we know a lot of passive investors are looking to get into passive investing, but the first thing that comes to mind is apartments. What would you tell them in terms of looking more or even beginning new active investors? Should they be looking into stuff like mobile home parks and self-storage? Is that, you know, in terms of where the economy is right now, do you think that's going to be stronger going forward? I wrote an article for Bigger Pockets. It's not, I don't think it's been published yet, but it talked about a guy, it was a parable. It was about a guy who literally, he thought, he heard about Jeff Bezos starting Amazon in his garage 27 years ago. And he said, I think I'm going to be a competitor for Amazon. I mean, Henry Ford had competitors, right? And so he started a competitor to Amazon in his garage. Again, this was a parable. And I think that is kind of similar to what it would be like to start off in multifamily right now. If you're new at it, even if you have some knowledge of it, how in the world are you going to compete against tens of thousands of other operators? I actually don't know the number, but the number of operators out there who are voraciously buying up multifamily and willing to overpay for it. How are you going to compete with them if you're new? I mean, even if you have enough money, enough experience, you pull together a, a new team, it's so hard. And even if you could get a good deal, would, you know, like what's the chance of you really getting a much better deal than all these pros who've been at it 20 or 30 years all around you, you know? So I really think that a better way to invest right now is to link up with a great operator with a great team and a great track record and one that can recognize that intrinsic versus extrinsic value and invest heavily with them. I can tell you that even though I could do this myself, uh, I think I could. I could probably do it poorly, at least. <laughs> I mean, I've done that. Um, I, I Seriously, I think that the best way to do it is to link up with somebody else that has the track record, the team, the acquisition strategy and all that, and put my money with them. And so I'm being really honest here, guys. That's what I would do. That's what I do. Right. Yeah. And I think that's pretty massive too. We all know this is a team sport, right? And so to be able to leverage somebody else's, uh, you know, reputation, experience, and, you know, the systems they already have in place, it's going to be massive, especially, like you said, for anybody who's getting into this right now, or, you know, maybe even just like a year or so ago or something. Right. So I think that's, I think that's pretty massive uh, in terms of, so I, I have a little thing. We were talking, I was talking to a, a passive investor the other day and, uh, you know, we were just having a casual conversation. They're, they're looking to potentially get into passive investing in, in a real estate syndicate. But, you know, during our conversation, uh, they mentioned a, a few other investment plays they were, you know, considering adding to their, portfo their portfolio, you know, stocks, crypto, gold and silver. It's kind of the shiny object thing. Uh, I mean, obviously, those are some of those are pretty, uh, pretty common stock or pretty common investments. But uh, our conversation really turned into a, a portfolio allocation conversation. So, you know, obviously, there's a lot of opportunity out there. But, you know, shiny objects, again, talk to us a bit about your thoughts on, you know, going forward, how you're positioning yourself in terms of portfolio allocation. Obviously, you like mobile home parks and self-storage. Are you doing anything else in terms of uh, your portfolio? Um, no, uh, we, our funds have room for self-storage, mobile home parks, multifamily. Our next fund we're going to launch might have a room for an RV, uh, RV play or maybe even senior living or things like that. 
But uh, no, right now we have had so much success at self-storage and mobile home parks that that's all we're doing at the moment. Like I said, though, that could change next year. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's pretty important. I think, you know, a lot of past investors that we talk to, you know, uh, especially the newer past investors, we I, I want to say to them, you know, recognize that these things are they're pretty strong, you know, mobile home parks, self-storage, they're these especially operated by people like you they're pretty strong so i want to get i want to dive into mobile home parks a little bit more talk to us about mobile home parks and why they're so attractive to you guys there are about 44 or 45,000 mobile home parks in the us we don't actually know how many exactly because it's the industry is so green i guess you could say as far as being a professionally run industry which is a huge advantage because 85 to 90% of those mobile home parks are owned and operated by mom and pop operators. And again, they don't have the desire, the knowledge or the resources to maximize their income and explode their value for investors. I mean, they're really happy that cap rates went from let's say 12% to let's say 7% or better in the last you know seven or eight years. And so they're already amazed at the value increase that they've gotten, but they don't know or maybe care that they could do so much more. And so acquiring a mobile home park is a beautiful thing because it's the only asset type that I'm aware of that has a shrinking supply and an increasing demand every year. And so, I mean, there is an affordable housing crisis I mean, 10,000 people turn 65 every day, but six out of 10 of those have $10,000 or less saved for retirement, which opens up an incredible uh, window of people that can say, hey, you know, like they're in that situation. Now they're going to be depending on Social Security. And they're like, hey, I've got like 100 or whatever thousand in home equity. Some of them are willing to trade in that home equity and buy a used or new mobile home and way lower their expenses, lower their maintenance, lower their property taxes, and give them increased flexibility for travel or whatever. The crazy thing about mobile home parks is the tenants are really sticky. I mean, I don't ever recommend taking advantage of this, but if you go in and the Mobile home lot rents are $300 there, but everywhere else in the whole region is 500. And you increase it from say 300 to 330, that's 10%, or even up to 360, that's a 20% increase. Um, let's say you did that over a couple of years. Virtually no one's gonna leave. Why would they leave and go down the street to pay 500, first of all? Secondly, why would they spend $5,000 to move this mobile home to another lot? And so typically they're gonna stick around. And um, there's a lot of other reasons that it's a great investing type, but that's just a quick overview of a couple reasons. Yeah, I think we align with that as well. That's why we're attracted to mobile home parks, you know, just kind of uh, just the tenant stickiness and all of those things. I think it's pretty great. Paul, you know, we think it's been a great conversation with you. We love learning about mobile home parks. Before we get out of here, we wanna take some time to shine the spotlight on you. So tell us more about your book, The Perfect Investment and your company and what else you, whatever else you have going on. Yeah, you bet. So I um, wrote the book, The Perfect Investment. It was originally entitled, The Definitive Guide to Multifamily Investing. And my friends told me it was really a boring title and that it wouldn't sell. So I, 
uh, I, one of my friends said, wait, isn't, didn't you say this is like the perfect investment? It has multifamily has the amazing long-term demographics, supply and demand, safety, all those things. I said, yeah, thanks for reading the draft. He apparently read it. And uh, I said, uh, he said, well, why don't you call it that? I said, call it what? He said, call it the perfect investment. And so we did call it that. And that's available. That book's available on Amazon. I think it makes the argument there that, you know, rather than toying around like I did with duplexes and triplexes, maybe it'd be better just to figure out a way to assemble a team or link up with a professional and just jump into larger commercial grade assets like 75 units and up in the multifamily arena. Now, I would take the same thinking, and you could even read the book and apply it to self-storage and mobile home parks because the ratios and the formulas and the debt and the operating team and all the asset management and all that stuff is the same almost. And so, uh, like I said, the stuff I learned for multifamily transferred easily over to these other asset types, which Wellings Capital is investing in now. Wellings Capital is basically a fund that it offers uh, investors a passive way to get involved with these big deals. And we diversify across asset types, operators, geographies, and strategies across the US. Perfect, perfect. Paul, we're gonna make sure to link to that book and uh, Wellings Capital in, in our show notes. So if our listeners wanna reach out, get that book, or if they wanna reach out to you, they can do so. Paul, it's been a great conversation, man. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Yeah, thank you. And I forgot my business partner said I had to tell you guys one more thing. Um, if you want to get a an ebook on self storage investing or another one on mobile home park investing, you can go to wellingscapital.com slash resources. And you can get a copy of either one of those ebooks or an e course on basically an introduction to investing in commercial real estate. Love it. Love it. I know uh, a few people right now who would definitely be interested in seeing that. So uh, we're going to make sure to put that in the show notes so they can uh, reach out and get that. Paul, once again, thank you for coming on the show and talking with us today. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.